Welcome to the Redeeming Productivity Show. This is the podcast that helps Christians get more done and get it done like Christians. And I am your host, Reagan Rose. Well, hey guys, sorry for no episode last week, but I have a good reason. I have a uh, pretty major life update. If you follow me on Twitter or friends on Facebook, you'll probably already have seen this, but I am moving and I'm moving far. So for those of you who don't know me or are new to this podcast, you could probably skip ahead a couple minutes and get into the meat of the episode where we're going to talk about the subject of the fear of man and how it's crippling to personal productivity for Christians. So we will talk about a real subject, but (laughs) I wanted to give you an update first. So yeah, I am moving. I am in Southern California, have been for the past six and a half some odd years, and uh, I'm leaving. My wife and my son and our dog and all of us, we're, we're packing up and we're moving back to Michigan. Yes, Yes, leaving one tyrannical governor for another. But that's okay. It's going to be fun. That's where we're, we're from originally, all our families there. And it's we're, we're excited. We're excited. I'm going to be leaving Grace to You. That's the media ministry of Pastor John MacArthur. I've been there the past two years working in digital platforms. But it's it's time to go be near family. And that has been something that's been weighing heavily on my wife and mine's hearts and we just decided you know what it's time it's time for us to be closer to family what will i be doing in michigan well i'm going to keep doing routine productivity i hope actually that i'm going to be able to do it even more i have some some plans so i'm not going anywhere from this podcast from writing blog posts from doing videos but i'm hopefully going to be able to do actually a lot more of it in the meantime, it might be a little rocky over the next couple of weeks here as we pack up and drive across these United States. So there may be a little lack of content, but stick with me through it because I promise on the other end, it's going to be lots more. What will I be doing there besides working on redeeming productivity? Hmm. What will I be doing? Well, I'm going to be working for not the bee. So if you've heard of the Babylon Bee, it's Christian conservative satire news website, right? You've all heard of the Babylon Bee. You love it. You click on it. Well, not the bee is like the bee, but not it. So Adam Ford, who I had on in one of the really early episodes, look that up, episode I did with Adam Ford, who started the Babylon Bee. He's a friend of mine, and he, you know, said, hey, come come work with me on not the bee. And Not the Bee is a, how would I describe it? Basically, reality is so absurd right now in the news and in the things that's just going on in our world that it's hard to satirize. And so Not the Bee basically calls crazy things crazy. It, it, it draws attention to just the, the madness of the current hour we're living in. And it does it in kind of a, a fun way, in a casual way. And if you haven't checked it out yet, go to notthebee.com. That's a great website. It's a lot of fun. You've probably already seen articles from it showing up in your social media feed. So I'm going to be working with Adam on that. And it's going to be exciting. I'm thrilled. I'm pumped. So big change, obviously, but it's going to be fun times. So yeah, that's the life update. Again, bear with me over the next couple of weeks as I wrap things up here in Southern California and move all my stuff. I'm actually, I'm sitting in the garage right now and I'm looking 
at a whole pile of boxes with all of my possessions in it. We've got like nothing. Everything's boxed up, even though it's still going to be a couple weeks till we move. So yeah. Wow. It's exciting. Okay. That's enough about that. Enough about me. Let's talk about you. So actually, we'll, t- we'll talk about you by way of talking about me, because this is a subject that I want to talk about today that is important to me, because it's something I have struggled with all of my life and continue to struggle with. And what I want to talk about is the fear of man, the fear of man. What's the fear of man? Well, you may have heard of it from the Bible. <laughs> the, the term comes from the Bible, from Proverbs 29, 25. It says that the fear of man will prove to be a snare, like a trap. And so what is the fear of man? Well, it's, it's just what it sounds like. It's being afraid of other people. It's being anxious about their opinions of you. It's about letting them rule your life. The fear of man is an incredibly crippling thing for, for a person, and, for, and for, especially for a Christian, to live in the constant agony over what are people going to think of me. It ends up making you compromise on, on doing what's right, and ultimately, it ends up making you a less effective person. And that's where I think the intersection is with personal productivity, and specifically for Christians, is the the fear of man ruins your personal productivity. As I wrote an article last week, if you haven't read it, it's probably worth a read. I'm going to cover some of the topics that I talked about in the article in this episode, but hopefully go a little bit deeper as well. The article's called How to Stop Being Afraid of People So You Can Start Getting Stuff Done. And there'll be a link to that in the description as well. I had read, I think it was a tweet. Someone, someone had tweeted the question, where would you be if you weren't so anxious all the time? And it wasn't a, a believer. It's just somebody just a- asked that. And that was a thought provoking question. And I kind of reframed it in my own mind because again, fear of man, something I've struggled with for a long time. Where would I be today if I weren't afraid of the opinions of others? You might ask it a different way. You might say, what would I do for the Lord if I wasn't so scared what people would think of me? You know, what kind of Christian would I be? What kind of evangelist would I be? What kind of mother would I be? What kind of worker would I be if so much of my life wasn't so controlled by the opinions of others? All of us live at times in the fear of what others will think of us. You know, it might be second guessing every decision you make or anxiety over, you know, people judging me. It might be fear man sometimes manifests in you being afraid to say no to things. And as we all know, that's a major productivity killer because instead of doing the projects or the things you should be doing, you let other people's asking you to do things dictate your priorities. And I just realized in my own life that fear has just this been this ever present weight holding me down, holding me back, preventing me from doing what I know I ought to be doing because I'm afraid of what someone's going to think. And, you know, I, I do, I, I think that it leads to, it's led to regret, which is what's led me to this point where I've decided to really do something about it. I mean, think about it this way. How many, how many times have you been too afraid to pick up the phone or to start a conversation or make an embarrassing mistake? How many evangelistic opportunities have you walked away from? How many occasions to, to love your neighbor have you avoided because you didn't want to have an awkward conversation or because you don't like small talk? You know, how many projects 
might you have endeavored to do or would have been better if you had had the courage to ask for help? You'll never know. And, and I don't think it's helpful to live, you know, and, and just think about all the, the past failures and stuff. But in, you know, kind of letting my mind go down that rabbit hole a little bit, it just drove me to the realization that I know what the problem is. I know what the problem is. Very, very, very many of the the things in life that, that, that I have not done that I should do, I didn't do because I was afraid of what someone would think of me. I'm afraid of the opinions of other people. And so when I decided to do something about it, I, I knew where to go. I knew where to turn. I had read years ago a book by Edward Welch. The book is When People Are Big and God Is Small, and it's about the subject of the fear of men. And as, guys, it has helped me so much in making strides and overcoming the fear of man. And I... I Honestly, like just turn off this podcast and go read that book. It is it is one that I like I said I read it twice and the second time reading it, I read it incredibly incredibly deeply and actually employed uh, the like I said in the last episode the the whole smart notes taking approach. So fear of man is this is this trap and what Welch has done in this book is he's basically tries to suss out for you what the fear of man looks like and all its permutations. And really well, and from scripture, he shows you exactly how to deal with it. And I'm telling you this as a a promise to you. If you employ what Welch talks about in this book, you will literally be able to overcome the fear of man. And that's a, a big promise, but it's because God doesn't want us to live in the light of the fear of man. It's, it's this universal sin we, we face, but it's beatable. It's beatable. And what you need to understand first is about the fear of man is that why is it such a big problem? Obviously, in the beginning of this, I, I talked about the, I guess, practical results of living in the fear of man is that you, you don't do what you ought to do. And that has negative side effects for your Christian walk, but it also has negative side effects for your work. But that's not the biggest reason that you need to fear the fear of man. The biggest reason is because the fear of man is idolatry. It's worshiping a false god. You say, hold on, that's saying a lot, Reagan. Idolatry involves statues. Well, not necessarily. There can be (laughs) idols of the heart. Fear of man is idolatry because what you're doing is you're setting up people on a pedestal. You're setting them up and, and asking from them, like we do from all idols, we're asking them to give us something. It might be respect. It might be admiration, acceptance, approval, or, or any number of things. But when we demand these things from other people in order to satisfy something in ourselves, we're elevating them as objects of worship. Because make no mistake about it, when the, when the Bible talks about fear, it doesn't just mean, ooh, you know, I'm scared. You know, it's almost Halloween. It's not like just spooky fear. The Bible's description of fear includes things like holding people in awe or being controlled by them. Fear can even mean worshiping or putting your trust in a person. Like, do you see the problem with that type of language about fear? It's worship. And, and we're told to fear the Lord. More on that in a moment. But do you see what the problem with the fear of man is? You have put 
people in the place of God. And when you do that, you not only destroy your own personal productivity, you, you dishonor God. You dishonor him. What it does is, is fear of man. It turns us from God pleasers into people pleasers. It, it, it dilutes our witness. It destroys our confidence. It diminishes our productivity. But like I said, most importantly, it dishonors our God. It's, it's not, hear me now. Fear of man is not just a personality quirk. You know, it's not, well, I'm shy. Well, I'm an introvert or, or, you know, I, I'm just, you know, I'm not really a people person. No, when we talk about the fear of man, we're talking about a serious sin that needs to be mortified. And we all have like kind of our, our ways of, of trying to redefine fear of man, making it acceptable to ourselves. I mean, I just mentioned a couple of them. Like I have for the longest time excused my own fear of man under the label of introversion, you know, instead of confronting it for the sin it is. I say, well, you know, I just more of an introvert myself. But no, I'm just, I'm afraid of people. I idolize them. And we might call it shyness, we might call it peer pressure, we might call it codependency, we might call it many, many other things, but it's just an idolatrous heart at bottom. Fear of man is an idolatrous heart. And even people um, who you might not describe as fearful are. Even, like, even the most prickly people in your life who you think, oh, they don't need anyone, and they're always telling you, I don't need anyone, I'm kind of alone, whatever. Well, those people, oftentimes what they're trying to do is avoid people, push them away, hold them at arm's length to avoid the hurt and the pain or the shame or exposure that people can give them. And they too are expressing the fear of man. They're enslaved to the opinions of others. But it is beatable. The fear of man is beatable. And like any malady, whether physical or spiritual, uh, the fear of man, though it is crippling, can be healed by the great physician. And in God's word, we have an answer. We have an answer. What do you do about the fear of man? It's, it's not a simple solution, but there, there is a solution. There is an antidote to the fear of man. And it's really just two parts. And the first one is fear God. And the second one is love people. So if the fear of man really is just misplaced worship, which it is, then the solution to it is to redirect our worship to its rightful object. And, and why is this so important? Well, there's a book I've mentioned before, or an essay I've mentioned before by the Puritan Thomas Chalmers called The Expulsive Power of a New Affection. And it's basically how you fight sin. You don't just say no to sin. You say yes to something that is better than sin, right? So if my affections, my love is drawn towards sinful things because they give me pleasure, what I need to do is have my heart captured by something more beautiful, more majestic, more worthy of my heart's affections, and that's Christ. And what happens is when you have that new affection, that bigger love, it expels these lesser things and the these sinful desires become repugnant to you because they're so much smaller you know why would you take the candy when you can have the whole cake but in the same way that that our affections and i guess it's part of that and our affection toward christ expels our affections for sin it works the same way with fear when you fear god it puts these other smaller fears in perspective because here's the thing, fear of man, is it legitimate? 
Like, is it, is it right sometimes to fear people? I'd say so. I'd say that probably David in the Bible would say so. I mean, you have these Psalms where, you know, David's talking about his life being hunted and stuff and people are generally trying to kill him. Hopefully no one's trying to kill you. If you do, if they are, you know, maybe not call 911, but listen, there, people can hurt you. They can, they can expose you. They can, they can destroy you by, by stabbing you back, betraying your trust. People can, can shame you. They can judge you. I mean, we live in this awful time with like cancel culture and stuff on the internet. Someone could just totally ruin your life. If you say the wrong thing or catch the ire of the wrong blue check mark on Twitter. So yeah, people, people can be fearful. They can hurt us. But what you need to do is when you're fearing people, you need to set that in perspective. You need a bigger fear. And this reminded me of, you know, I I preached a sermon some years ago on Mark chapter four, verses 35 through 41. And this is the story about Jesus calming the storm. And you probably remember this if you know the Bible very well. It's the story about when, you know, after a long day of ministry, Jesus and the disciples, they get into a a boat, like a fishing vessel, and they go across the Sea of Galilee. They're going to cross over. And during it, you know, Jesus is tired and he's sleeping in the, what do you call it? The bow? I I don't care about boats. It's somewhere in the bottom of the boat, right? He's sleeping. And a big, huge storm overtakes them. And it's like a serious storm. I think sometimes people hear this story and they kind of laugh at the disciples because they're freaking out about this storm and Jesus is asleep. And you're like, look at how calm Jesus is, but they're freaking out. But you got to remember the disciples are fishermen, right? So there's this storm. There's, there's waves lapping over the side of the boat. They are in fear for their life and they, they know it. Like I said, they're fishermen. They know a big storm. They probably had friends or maybe even family members who had died in storms like these before. And so they are freaking out genuinely. Is that fear legitimate? You bet you that fear is legitimate. They're probably going to die from a storm. You, you don't laugh about that. You don't say, oh yeah, well, don't be scared of that. No, it could kill you. It could kill them. In the same way, people can hurt us. They genuinely can hurt us and deeply. Should, does that mean we should fear them? No, because we need. if we have a bigger fear, we will learn not to fear those things, at least not in that way, at least not in a way that cripples us. We can live with those, those smaller fears by having a bigger one. And so that's exactly what happens, right? So Jesus wakes up and with a word, he calms the storms and you just see the, the sea is just glass. The winds are gone and it's just this amazing thing, this incredible miracle. It shows that he, he's God, his divine nature, his power over creation. But what's so fascinating in this story is the response of the disciples. Uh, It's intriguing because they see that they're about to die in the storm. So they're freaking out. The storm calms down because Jesus calms it with the word. And you think, well, how are they going to react to this? They're going to say, Jesus, that was awesome. Let's high five. He's really God. He, that was a close one. Thank you so much. You You think of all these responses they might have to this. Like, that's so cool. You know, he saved us. But you know what it says? It says the disciples became more afraid and they said, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey them? What is that response? That response is 
that of someone who has just had their fears realigned, <laughs> like going to a spiritual chiropractor. They have just had everything set back in the right order. You see, this is what we need, is we need not necessarily to, to just not be afraid of anything. You know, fear, fear serves a good purpose, right? I don't stick my hand in the fire because I know I'm going to get burned. But where fear of man becomes sinful idolatry is when it gets out of whack. It's when we elevate it to a level that it should not occupy in our thinking. And the way to reorient it, the way to have our fears rightly ordered is by putting God where he should be in our thinking. God is more fearful than any storm or any crowd of people or any bully or any person who might judge you or say a word against you. If you are in Christ Jesus, if you're a Christian, that fearful, terrifying God who created the world with a word, calmed the storm with one, and will destroy it and recreate it with his very words, who is the, the ancient of days, who upholds the entire universe by the word of his power, that God who should shiver your timbers is on your side. He's your friend. If you're in Christ Jesus, the fear of punishment of that God certainly has been cast out by perfect love. That's first John four eighteen. But when you fear God, it's you recognizing that he is more worthy to be reverenced, more worthy to be worshiped and more worthy to be feared than all the armies or opinions of men could ever muster. There's no need to fear people when you fear someone who is much, much much bigger. And so the first way that Welch offers to fight the fear of man that we all face is by fearing God. And you say, well, how do you do that practically? Do I just sit there and kind of clench my fists and close my eyes and say, Ooh, I want to fear God more. Well, no, but I think it is quite simple. Actually, a couple of just practical things, study God. In, in theology, we call this theology proper. So uh, the study of God himself, his attributes, who he is, maybe get a book on it, you know, like Knowing God or Knowledge of the Holy, or there's many other just really good books about God's attributes, or just study him in scripture or, or read a, uh, a book like Isaiah or, you know, places where you see God's power on display and meditate on those things. Think about who God is. Think about his omnipotence, his omniscience, all those different big attributes about who he is and meditate on them and rightly appreciate that this is a big, scary, powerful, amazing, incredible God, so much bigger than the people and the problems we face. And then also just a practical thing, ask for it. I'll tell you, this has gone miles, miles in my own life recently after reading this book of just asking, Lord, help me to fear you more. When I, when I, when I feel the fear of more man cropping up and I'm just, and I feel my kind of almost like my chest constricting, like I should say something, but I don't want to, I don't want them to say anything bad about me or, or I know I need to pick up the phone or, you know what I mean? Those, those types of things. I just quickly pray, Lord, help me to fear you. And it's been something I've added in the morning to like, you know, I, there's a lot of like things I pray for every day. And one of the things I pray for is, Lord, help me to fear you today. Help me to reverence you in your proper place and not to fear the opinions of people. And I got to tell you, it's, it's simple, 
But because that is a prayer that is seeking to honor God, it is according to his will, it has a guarantee yes answer. God is always saying yes to that prayer because I'm asking that he would help me to worship him aright. And that is what he desires for me. And so he says yes. And and friends, I'm telling you, it's like a miracle. You will see the fear of man just start to evaporate from your life. And especially as you make this a habit day after day, you walk with more confidence and less fear. It's, it's incredible. It's like a miracle drug and it's prayer. So that's the first way you fight the fear of man. And that's by, you know, rightly ordering your fears. It's fearing God. But the second part is equally as important in uh, Welch's sort of uh, way of setting this up. And that's to love people. So you can't cure your fear of people simply by turning your eyes away from them and putting them on Christ. That's that you need to do that first. You need to fear God. But then what do you do with people? How should you think about them, the people that you previously feared? Well, once our fear has been properly realigned toward God, then we're in a position to actually engage with people the way that God made us to. And you know how that is? That's to not fear them. That's to love them. Right? Matthew twenty two thirty nine. Jesus said that uh, love your neighbor as yourself. And he says that's the second greatest commandment. And Welch says in the book, only people lovers are able to confront. Only people lovers are not controlled by other people. So it's when we stop fearing people, stop being controlled by their opinions, that we're actually in a place to love them. And what's so neat is you can train yourself to uh, love people more. It's again, it's another thing to ask for in prayer. Lord, help me to love people, not to fear them. That's a simple prayer. If you mean it, ask it, pray it. The Lord will grant it. But also even in your thinking, deliberately, it's, it's interesting. You can, you can actually change your thinking about a person that you might fear, that you want, you want like their approval or their, their good opinion of you. In a moment, in your own mind, I, I've had this, even as I'm talking to people, I, I start to notice, why, why, am I acting, why am I not saying what I need to say? Why, why am I like so desperate for their approval right now? And I, I think, how do I turn this person from an enemy who I'm afraid is going to harm me, you know, going to, going to make me feel bad or going to judge me? How do I turn them into a ministry? And I just simply ask myself, how can I show this person love? How can I serve them right now? What can I, what can I do? Not, not to serve them to get their approval, you know, in this kind of mercenary way that, that men pleasers do. No, but to actually think, how can I actually show love to this person? And you'll be amazed at how when you quit the navel gazing, you stop asking, well, what do they think about me? And start actually thinking about their needs and how you can love them. You just kind of forget about yourself. You stop fearing. You stop tripping over yourself to, to try to get people to give you some affirmation. You start loving them and you start fearing God. And that's just how it's supposed to be. So I really wanted to share that. There's actually something I've been really looking forward to sharing with you guys. I hope that it's helpful to you. Um, I tried to be transparent with this and just admitting that this is something I struggle with. I still struggle with. I'm not, you know, I call it a miracle gear or whatever I said, but it, it is something you fight. But hopefully this equips you from God's word to fight that battle more effectively with God's weapons. If you struggle with the fear of man, train yourself to fear God and to love people, and above all, just pray for it. I think what you'll see is that as you learn to overcome this fear, you're going to become a more effective Christian. 
as I've been seeking to cultivate these practices, I'm just finding many of those fears simply vanishing, you know, things like jealousy, your desire to hide, you know, desire to say yes to everything, even little lies, you know, to cover up, you know, making yourself look bad. They're just being replaced by this bigger fear and this greater love. And so again, something everybody struggles with, it's not something to, to hide. It's something to confront, bring it out into the light, drag it before God and ask for help. This, this fear, it not only harms our relationships, it harms our productivity. It does. It really does. And it dishonors God. And that's even more important. So work on this, try to apply some of these things and get the book. It's called when people are big and God is small by Edward T. Welch. It's an old book. I think it's from like 98 or something, but it is well worth the read. It deserves a place on your library shelf. Okay, guys, I'm going to wrap it up right there. Thank you so much for listening. And please, I actually would really appreciate your prayers as I'm moving and, and so many life transitions happening right now. I really, really would appreciate your prayers. Um, and also, if you're just listening to this for the first time, subscribe to the podcast. Um, check out the blogs over on redeemingproductivity.com. Sign up for the newsletter over there as well. And if you are a long time listener, you just like this, want to help support content like this, check out my Patreon. It's patreon.com slash redeeming prod. And just for a few bucks a month, you can help support the effort to produce material that helps Christians get more done and get it done like Christians. All right, guys. Well, I will see you again here next week, Lord willing. (laughs) But until I do, remember this, in whatever you do, do it well and do it all to the glory of God.